You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's word today. Good morning. Get myself organized here. Thank you for coming out today um, to hear the Lord and his word, which is mighty to save and transform our lives and um, I'm honored and blessed always to share the word with you. Um, just want to thank Pastor Dan for his really cool class that I was a part of. So even though I am a licensed minister with the Assemblies of God, uh, you know, you can always learn new things. So there were lots of things that I learned or had reminders of that I had forgotten, which was really good. I think all of us can say that it really helped us as far as developing our skills to share the word. Um, one thing I learned about myself that I think I kind of already knew but I didn't really realize is that I hate preaching topical messages. I much uh, prefer just having a chunk of a text and kind of like pulling out all the wonderful things in it. And wouldn't you know, the Lord led me to preach a topical message this morning because it's a skill that I really should work on and need to develop, right? So we always have those things that we don't enjoy doing, but the Lord's like, you know, you really should work on that a little bit, get better at that. We chip away at it. Maybe we're not good cooks, so we, but we have to feed ourselves, right? So we kind of keep trying the cooking thing or whatever the case may be. God always wants us to be improving, adding more tools to our tool chest, being more skilled in what we do, being more um, pointed in everything that we do. So um, that was really good. So today's my final exam, so you can all grade me later. Um, <laughs> so this morning I want to talk to you about the cross. And the cross is something that literally we kind of see every day. You know how you can see something every day but not really think about it too much? Um, we're going to kind of look at um, something that Christ said that's a little bit difficult and challenging at first, but I want to unpack uh, the meaning that he had behind it and sort of simplify some of the things that he was talking about and understand how it applies to our life and how we've experienced some of those things too. So today, um, we're going to uh, explore something that Jesus said, and it was repeated in in three of the Gospels, and then John emphasizes it in, slightly, uh, in a slightly different way. And um, all of us know that um, in the Gospels, uh, we have four Gospel writers. Two of them um, write about Jesus' birth, but all of them talk about his death, which tells us that that was important. I always used to say this Sunday school kids, if God repeats something... It's important. So we always want to take note of that. And so uh, before Jesus died on the cross, he said um, something very interesting, and all of the gospel writers record this as well. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 37 and 38, Jesus says, Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Mark 8:34. he also records, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 
And in Luke chapter 14, 27, Luke records, anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, if we really stop to think about what Jesus was saying, this is a difficult thing to wrap our head around. Jesus is saying, if you don't pick up your cross and, and follow me in the same way that I'm going, you're not worthy of me. Ouch. Um, that's really hard. But here's what he's saying for us to help kind of put this in perspective. He's saying that when you choose to acknowledge that I'm God's son and you follow me, it means that I have to be your priority over everything else in life. Nothing can come above me. That's what Jesus is saying. And so when we choose Christ and we follow him as a disciple, um, we're saying that, yes, Jesus, you are the most important thing to me. And then we, we live and walk that out. By our words, by our actions, we show that Christ is our priority in life. And then, so those are the three gospel writers, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic writers. And then John writes something a little bit different. He doesn't actually record those words that Jesus said, but he says this in John 19, verses 17 to 18. He says, Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, and here they crucified him. Carrying his own cross. So here we see that Christ not only tells his disciples, you have to pick up your cross and follow me. Jesus picked up his cross, and he modeled it for us. You know, Jesus will never ask us to do something that he did not already do. He will never ask us to do something that he is not willing to do. And so Jesus is always modeling what we are supposed to be doing. Very interesting. So today we're going to explore what does that mean to be worthy of the cross. And there's lots of applications for picking up your cross and following Jesus, but it what I want to do is kind of boil it down to just a couple of points to help understand what this means. And so today, putting uh, Christ as our priority, being worthy of the cross, carrying the cross, really involves three things. It involves, when we think about the cross, it is the point of pain. It is the point of pouring out. And it is the point of peace. And much of this, we know that when Christ was on the cross, his struggle on the cross was internal. He was fighting a spiritual battle, right? You know, many people wanted him to overthrow the Roman government and be king. And many people wanted him, they sort of had their perception of what Jesus needed to do so that life here would be really great for them. But that's not why Jesus went to the cross. Jesus went to the cross to fight an unseen battle in the spirit that had to happen first. He had to free us in the spirit. And so when, um, when we talk about these points today, the, the pain and the pouring out, 
these are often things that happen unseen. Uh, we can see the things that each of us do, the fruit of you know, our faith and all that sort of things, but much of this often happens unseen to others. Now, before you get depressed, oh no, it's summer, she's talking about pain, she's talking about suffering, I have to bear my cross. Don't worry, there's joy always on the other side because the, cr the cross always has two sides, right? So don't worry, I'll end with joy and you'll be happy before you leave, okay? All right, so um, we've uh, noted that um, one thing um, that the gospel writers did was they focused on the crucifixion of Christ. It, Easter is our most important holiday as Christians. It's great that he came at Christmas as an infant, but if he did not die on that cross, none of us would have any hope. We would not be free. And so when Jesus said these things, we have to also remember that the disciples probably had no idea what he was talking about. Because for them, it, it, you know, things, you know, he would say things and the disciples would kind of ask questions and be confused. And when Jesus said a couple of times that he, you know, to carry the cross or he was going to the cross, mm, the disciples probably didn't really understand that. And there was a stigma with the cross that we'll get to shortly. But um, we all know, um, I'm not going to kind of go over the basics of salvation. I trust that most of you understand that Christ's work on the cross was for our salvation, to free us from sin. And so basically, if you're unfamiliar, the short version is uh, that when God created the earth and Adam and Eve, he dwelled together with man. And so there was no separation, there was no sin. And then when Adam and Eve fell, when they disobeyed God, that is when original sin came into the picture. And it created a, a divide. So that Adam and God... Adam and Eve and God could no longer commune the way they did. And so there was this break, this chasm. And then when you and I are born, we are born into that separation. We are born separated from God. And so Christ becomes the bridge that when we accept Christ, we are reunited in fellowship, in a relationship with God. So that's the really short version, and most of you are probably already familiar with that. But it's one of those things we, we cannot, we can, we can explain it to a certain extent, but we really don't actually understand what happens. Is this, it's this wonderful divine exchange. And it's not, it's not cognitive. You, you cannot understand what Christ did in your mind. When you accepted Christ and all of us... Maybe some of you have had those experience, that experience when you accepted Christ and had salvation, like you felt lighter. Have you ever had that? Did you, have you had that happen to you? You just, you felt lighter, like all of a sudden you just were like, like you could breathe and like, so there's this, something that happens in the spirit when we accept Christ that we, we really cannot explain, but it happens, we know it, we we, we can't rationalize why we know that Jesus is the Son of God. We just, we know it, right? We just know it. And you can talk yourself out of a lot of things, but um, salvation is something that happens in the divine, in the Holy Spirit, and it is the Holy Spirit that opens up that knowledge for you to go, yes, Jesus is the Son of God. Yes, Jesus died for my sin. Because as Paul writes, 
Uh, the things of the spirit can only be discerned by the spirit. He writes that. So we know. And so we've uh, entered into this journey where we know Jesus is the son of God. We just have this wonderful feeling of like, wow, Jesus, you've just given me such joy and hope and peace. And then we kind of embark on this wonderful journey where we start trying to live out our faith, right? And sometimes we trip. <laughs> A lot of times we do, right? We all do. We, we don't always get it always right. But Jesus is so good. And so um, we, we want to share the gospel with other people. We want them to come to know Christ. We're trying to live our Christian life. And sometimes those things can be really hard to do. And uh, sometimes we can get discouraged. But I want to um, just kind of, first of all, um, talk to you about um, how we came by this symbol. Now, uh, most of you are going to go, oh, duh, Stephanie. It's like where Jesus died, so of course it's like the most important symbol, right? Actually, really interesting that um, in the first few centuries, there was no cross as a symbol. The cross was the Roman form of execution. And it was the Roman form of execution for criminals and slaves. It was despised. It was the butt of jokes. Uh, there's actually, you know, archaeologists in, in writings and, and graffiti. There's ancient graffiti. Did you know that? There's always ancient graffiti. Uh, you know, it, the cross, the Roman form of execution, the cross was, they had curses. You know, may you die by the cross or go to a terrible cross. Like, in other words, like, go to hell, right? Like, these were all, it was not something that you wanted to associate yourself with. So early Christians did not want to associate themselves with this Roman form of execution. So they had other things. We know of the, um, the fish, right, the ichthus. Uh, they used a dove, a ship, a lyre, an anchor. All of these are symbols that show up in ancient uh, Christian writings um, and in uh, archaeology and things like that. So they were using other, other um, symbols as a representation. So uh, one of the things that they uh, avoided was actually um, thinking about the cross. It's really interesting that, um, you know, it took a few centuries for this symbol to kind of develop as the symbol of Christianity. But, you know, isn't it just like God to take something that's so despised and so hated and cringeworthy, right, like, and make it, his symbol and change it jesus changed everything right um and it's interesting too that um even if you look at the uh, preaching of peter in the new testament he he uh, he does mention the cross but he actually focuses more on the name of jesus and the resurrection of jesus and then it's really the writings of paul paul brings a renewed focus on the cross. So Paul has this really wonderful way. Um, Paul wrote probably three-quarters of the New Testament. Paul has this really wonderful way of taking something that Jesus said and sort of unpacking it and explaining it. It's kind of neat if you really look at it because Jesus said some really confusing things that 
you know, we don't always understand. But Paul has this wonderful way of unpacking. So Paul focuses on the cross a lot. And what he focuses on is not this wooden thing. You know, we're not worshiping this here. You know, we're not here to worship this wooden thing. This thing is here because it represents for us the work that Christ did for us, freeing us. It is a symbol of what Christ did for us. So this serves as a remembrance. And so uh, when Paul writes about the cross, he writes about the sacrifice of Christ, the pouring out of Christ, the love of Christ demonstrated on the cross. He says, you know, to um, uh, like the Galatians and the false teachers and people that were trying to do salvation on their own strength. Well, you came to Christ by faith and now you're trying to do all these good things and you're trying to make these laws and we have to do this and we have to do this. You are emptying the cross of its power, he says. Don't do that. When we, when we make our own systems for salvation, when we say we have to look a certain way or dress a certain way or act a certain way, we're emptying the cross of its power. And so Paul has, uh, I, I chose to pick just a few verses. Again, with topical, you could pull like lots of verses. But here's a few uh, in Galatians 2.20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I've been crucified with Christ. Me, Stephanie, is supposed to die because that's what crucifixion is. I'm supposed to die. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ was beaten. Uh, the, the book of Isaiah says we didn't recognize him. He, he came and we didn't, many people didn't recognize who he was. And then when he went to the cross, right, he was beaten so much, bruised so much, wounded so much that he was unrecognizable. And so when I die to self, that means that when people see me, the, the way that I behave, the works that I do, the words that I say, they shouldn't be seeing Stephanie, they should be seeing Jesus. See, because it's not about me. It's not about my name. I don't need my name in lights. You know, I don't need to be on the internet. I could care less about the internet, right? I don't need to be, I don't need to be famous. I don't need, I just want people to know Jesus. And so as I do things, Paul, he's saying, with all my heart, I just want people to see Jesus. That's all I want. 1 Corinthians 2.2 2. Paul says, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Again, the refocus on the crucifixion. And in Philippians 3.10, he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Okay, wait, stop. Let's look at that. I want to know Christ. I want to know Jesus. I want to know that he, like, heals me and he gives me good things and, like, his love and he's so great, yeah. But 
What does Paul say? I want to know him, the power of his resurrection. Um, you have to die to be resurrected. Right? He wants to participate in Christ's sufferings. No, 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 no. That's not what I want. I want the healing. I want the basket of bread. I want provision. I want all the good stuff. Paul says, no, I, I want to know Christ in his sufferings. I want to become like him in his death. And then somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. So, yikes. Paul says, when we, when we really know Christ, it means not just all the good stuff. It means we have to know Christ and what he did for us because you and I are the ones that were supposed to be on that cross to begin with because of our sin. Now, don't, please, I, there's good stuff. Hang on. I'm not going to get, I'm going to get depressing, but not that depressing. Okay. So when Christ says, that you have to be uh, worthy of me, what he means is this that Paul writes, is that you have to be able to fellowship with me in those hard things just as much as in the good things. Every choice that we make in life either leads us toward the cross or away from the cross. It really does everything that we decide. Either I'm going to choose to follow Christ and maybe this is going to be uncomfortable or maybe it's going to be joyful and good or I'm going to follow myself and I'm going to do my own thing. Right? Isaiah said, we have all gone our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us, own, of us all. But he, we understand that with every decision that we make either for self or toward the cross for Christ, will begin to develop a life of pattern and will begin to transform us in either one way or the other. So, as we look at the sufferings of Christ very quickly, the first point is the point of pain. The cross is the point of pain. The word excruciate actually comes from ex, meaning out of, uh, crux meaning cross, excruciate, out of the cross. That word, the history of that word, actually came from what Jesus did on the cross. And so when we participate in his sufferings, when Paul says this in Philippians, what does he mean? Okay, uh, he does not mean, man, I'm out doing yard work and it's 95 degrees and the humidity is 70% and man, I'm suffering for Jesus. That's not what he means. Ah, oh, man, I, I was headed to church today and I stubbed my toe. Ah, oh, man. That's not what he means. Pain, yes. Christ-like pain, no. You know, I get out of bed in the morning and my back aches and I have to sit on a heating pad. Oh, man, I'm suffering for Jesus. No, that's not the kind of pain we're talking about. That's pain from the fall. Like, we live in a fallen world and we all have to deal with pain and discomfort. Everybody does, not just Christians, not just unbelievers. But what he does mean by uh, participating in the sufferings of Christ is that we are dealing with pain that is associated with the choices we have made to live the life 
of a Christian. That's what he's talking about. So let's look at a few things. Now, this list can be exhaustive, but I'm not going to do that to you today. (laughs) Um, Let's look at a few things, and let me just kind of give you an example of what this can be. Christ was despised, correct? So he was despised because of what he, what he, he represented goodness, he represented truth, he represented divinity, he represented purity and, and holiness. And so as we try to live a, a life of righteousness and goodness and holiness, we become hated. Has everybody, anybody ever said anything to you mean or treated you badly because you were just good, Right? And you're just, like, doing your thing. But you make other people mad. Just the choice that you've made, you've made other people mad. Okay? Um, He was rejected. Okay? To be rejected means you don't fit. Right? Uh, You know, rejected from the sports team. You just can't catch a ball. Right? Like, no way. You're not going to make it. And, And the world pushes you out. You don't fit. You are rejected, okay? So you're, okay, here's, we we hear this all the time. You're a Christian. You're supposed to be loving and accepting. Well, of course we're loving and accepting. But the world's definition of that is not Christianity's definition of loving and accepting. So have you ever been pushed out because you and your faith and your Christianity doesn't fit? How about betrayed? To be betrayed means your confidence and your trust has been broken in someone. Perhaps um, someone turned on you because you live right. Like they were your friend at one point, and then they turned on you because you just, you're just not like them. Uh, or maybe um, you lost a job because you chose to do the right thing instead of the dishonest thing. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. We try to live right. We try to do right by Jesus, but maybe we lost a job or we lost a promotion. Maybe you lost a relationship because you made a choice. You were betrayed. Um, Abandonment, friendlessness. Um, Maybe when you came to Christ, you lost a lot of old friends because you just didn't fit anymore. Your values changed. You didn't go out drinking with them anymore. You didn't go out drugging or hanging out or you didn't swear like them anymore. You started talking about, you know, being kind and Christ and and they just don't understand that. And then you ended up not having any friends. The path of the cross is lonely. Maybe you've been made fun of because of your values and your morals. Jesus was mocked. When you're made fun of because of the values that you hold, you're being mocked. Those are old traditional values. You know, waiting until marriage, pff, that's an old thing. Don't do that. That's mocking. When we have grief or sorrow or loss, uh, grief when someone else's sin, someone else's choices hurt us. It hurts, right? Isn't that why Jesus went to the cross? He went to the cross because someone else's choices, he had to pay for that. 
at his grief, at his pain. Loneliness, injustice, you know, we always have that sense of justice that, that um, good should be rewarded or doing right should be rewarded and doing wrong should be punished. And this, this, you see this in scripture all the time. How come the wicked are prospering when I'm doing the right thing? And this is just not fair, right? Or innocent people are harmed. Uh, and the, the injustice, because Christ was sinless, there was no reason that he should have gone to the cross. That is injustice, right? And so when we, um, when we have pain or suffering that is associated with any of these things, these choices that we've made, the, the way that we choose to live, this is, these are, this is the same as Christ. Now, not to the extent, of course, but you follow me, right? Is everybody following me? So you, if you have experienced any of those things or similar things that you might be thinking of, you are worthy of the cross. Have you been mocked? Have you been abandoned? Have you been betrayed? Because of your choice to live as a Christian, you are worthy. My second point, well, before I say, before I move on to my second point, let me just say, I think sometimes, well, I guess I can only speak for myself. Sometimes I'm surprised when I'm dealing with a hard thing, and I'm like, man, I don't really like this, right? But you know what? It's, this is, these are actually normal. In our physical mind, in our worldly mind, like, we don't, like being betrayed, being made fun of, th these are not right, they're not good. But you know what? Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Be comforted. Be comforted because you know you are worthy of Christ's cross. And if he is truly your priority in life, then all of that will pale in comparison. Okay, my second point, very quickly, is the idea of pouring out. Now, the scriptures use this phrase, pouring out. Obviously, it's a metaphor. It has to do with a pitcher being poured out, right? So it's a metaphor of whatever is inside comes out, right? So when we talk about the idea of pouring out, we know that the, it is the, the idea of giving. It is the idea of emptying ourselves. It's the idea of draining. Okay? So a pitcher is meant, you know, you have people over and the pitcher's full of lemonade and everybody gets lemonade and then it's so delicious. Everyone wants more and you keep pouring and you keep pouring and everybody pretty soon the pitcher's empty, right? So this idea of pouring out is what Christ did on the cross. He gave everything. Now, he was giving everything in his spirit and everything in his physical body. He was bleeding, so his blood poured out. The soldier stabbed him in the side, and water and blood poured out. We don't know the, what, he, that what he was doing on the cross. We don't know exactly in the spiritual realm, exactly what he was doing but that battle in the spirit he was being emptied of everything that he was who he was why he was 
He was battling in the spirit and he was battling in the flesh because he was hanging on the cross and bleeding. Okay, so when your, okay, when your heart is bleeding, right, this is again a metaphor, it means that my care and my compassion for someone is so great that it, it begins to exhaust me, that I'm giving everything. So when you, when you are grief-stricken, when you are ministering compassion to people, how many of you ever had compassion fatigue? Like, you have just given and given and given. Maybe you're, you take care of somebody or you've taken care of somebody. And, or you just, you minister and you minister and you minister and you minister and you go home and you're just like wiped. Physically, you've got nothing. Mentally, you've got nothing. Emotionally, you've got nothing, right? You follow me? You, you're poured out. I've, I've given everything to help people. And... I'm exhausted. I remember one time I came home, and it was a job that was very, it was a secular job, but it was very exhausting spiritually, mentally, and emotionally for me. And I remember at one point I came home, I was so spent. I had nothing left, like nothing left. I actually, I went upstairs, and I climbed in bed, and I actually said to the Lord, Lord, please forgive me. I just don't care about anyone right now. I just need to be. Like, have you ever been there? Like, you, you, you feel bad that you don't care, but you've gotten to the point where you've shown so much compassion and so much care and so much taking care of other people and trying to help them that there's nothing left. And I remember I just was curled up in bed for like half an hour, like thinking of nothing, just Lord, just help me. And then all of a sudden I was like, okay. And I got up and I was like, all right, now I can go cook dinner. <laughs> like, you know, you kind of just need a moment to kind of let the Lord sort of pour back into you. This is the idea of pouring out. And Paul gave everything for the gospel, literally everything. Paul says um, in Romans, he said, to the point where he says, I would rather be cursed and go to hell if all my Jewish brothers would know Jesus. I, I'll confess, I don't know if I'm there yet. That is, wow. Paul gave everything, everything for the gospel. It's, it's amazing because Christ gave everything. And, and even when Christ was standing on the cross, you, you've had these moments, right, where you're like, you're so exhausted and you're so tired and you're like, I don't have anything left to give. And somebody goes, oh, Stephanie, can you do this for me? And you're like, oh, right? right? I don't think I have anything left. People did that to Jesus. He was hanging on the cross, right? Okay, remember this from the scriptures? He's hanging on the cross and they go, oh, Jesus, you can get yourself down from there. Show us that you can do that, right? Come on, show us some more. Show us another miracle. Get down off that cross. Prove to us, right? Jesus, like, he didn't. Thank God he didn't, right? Thank God he didn't get off that cross. Because some, there's always going to be more demands. 
There's the, the song, Lead Me to the Cross, where your love poured out. I'm not going to sing, I don't sing. Lead me to the cross where your love poured out. Bring me to my knees. Lord, I lay me down. Rid me of myself. I belong to you. Oh, lead me, lead me to the cross. When we give everything because of the ministry of Christ's love, when we care for people, when we show compassion for people, when we extend beyond ourselves, this is what Christ did. And if you have, you are worthy. You are worthy. Always go back to the cross. Always, when you get up in the morning, just sit at the cross. And when life doesn't make sense and pain doesn't make sense and suffering doesn't make sense and these people don't make sense, put yourself at the foot of the cross and just pray and remember what Christ has done for us. And Christ makes us worthy. My third point and last point in this wonderful thing that is a divine exchange that we cannot explain that even though it is painful at times, even though there is suffering at times, there is this unspeakable joy that somehow shows up. There is this unfathomable peace that fills us. And that's the peace that goes, you know what? It's okay. Uh, what's the old hymn? It is well with my soul. Though sea billows roll, it's well with my soul. Right? I cannot articulate to you how that happens. Nobody can. But when you are following the path of Christ, when you are living right, when you are doing your best, and yes, we all stumble from time to time, but that's okay, Jesus says. It's all good. Keep coming. Keep coming. And we put ourselves at the cross, and Jesus fills us again, and we go back out, and then all of a sudden, we just have this joy. We just have this peace, like, you know what? This really hurts, but it's going to be okay, right? Only Jesus can do that. It is this amazing, amazing thing. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, I'm going to loop back to that. This is the Apostle Paul. Okay, so this is a little grammatical, a, a, like a languagey thing. Okay, ready? Follow me. It, it won't get too crazy, I, I promise. Paul says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so, comma, somehow, comma, attaining the resurrection of the dead. See that word somehow offset by commas? Paul, who wrote three quarters of the New Testament, who unpacked wonderful truths about what Jesus said and how that means to live it, who started churches and 
church, churches grew and people came to a saving knowledge. He says, somehow, I don't really understand how, but somehow I have this exchange and I'm going to live. Isn't that cool? Guess what? You don't understand everything about the scriptures. I don't understand everything about the scriptures. It's okay. You're in good company. Because Paul was like, you know, I know the truth. I know who Jesus is. I'm preaching the truth. Somehow, this is all going to work, he says. (laughs) Hey, guess what? You can't make this stuff up. Paul was like, beaten, shipwrecked. He has that whole list in Romans, and you're like, man, this guy's still alive. Poor guy, right? He's like, washes up on shore, dripping wet, finally standing over a fire. You remember this from the book of Acts? What happens? Bam! Snake bite. The poor guy, like he needed anything else? That's okay. He shakes the snake off and he keeps going. I love it, right? Okay. You, you, okay, the, the disciples. Uh, the disciples in the book of Acts. There's that really bothersome verse that says, they went away rejoicing because of what they had just suffered. Like beaten. Like, uh, uh, read the book of Acts. <laughs> Crazy. But there's this wonderful assurance and joy and peace and knowing that the path that I've chosen is the right path, the good path, the path where I know that I have a Savior who experienced all of these things walking right beside me. In fact, carrying me. Hebrews 12, 2 says, For the joy set before him he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy that was set before him. Okay, Jesus is walking to Jerusalem with his face face set like flint. The Bible says like stone. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to die on a cross. Why? For the joy that was set before him. Because Jesus goes, I'm going to free all you guys. And I can't wait. But we just have to do a little tough stuff first and then. Every time, oh, have you ever, like, witnessed to somebody, witnessed to somebody, witnessed to somebody, and they haven't come to Christ? And then all of a sudden, one day, they, like, accept Christ, and you're like, yeah! And how much, like, crying and praying and, like, grief, and you're like, Lord, I just want this person to know Jesus. I just want this person to to be saved. I want this person to be with me in heaven. And we're grief-stricken, and we're praying, and we're, we're poured out in prayer for this person. And then the day comes when they accept Jesus, and you, you cannot contain your joy. Has that ever happened? Or maybe you've been praying for a miracle or something in your life, and you're you're just, you're slogging through your prayer life, like, Lord, help, please make a way. And then he does, and you're like, yes, and that's the joy, that's the rejoicing. You can't make that stuff up. You can't make that, you cannot make this stuff up. You can't, like, you, listen, I'm a thinker. I, I like cognitive stuff. I like logic. I like rationality. I don't like not, like, that doesn't add up. It's got to add up. This does not add up in the physical. 
It just doesn't. 1 Thessalonians 1.6, you became imitators of us and of the Lord for you. Welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 61, 3 and 7 says, to, he, he came to comfort all who mourn, provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. And so they will inherit a double portion in their land and everlasting joy will be theirs. <sighs> we can do this. We can do this. Maybe you've been through it and you're like, yeah, I did it. I did it. Maybe you're going through it right now. Maybe you feel like you're up against a wall. Maybe you're dealing with something that's grieving your heart. You can do it. Christ did it. The disciples did it. Paul did it. And they were just people like you and me. You can do it. Keep going. Those decisions that you're making at work to do the right thing instead of the wrong thing, yes, it might cause you some grief and suffering. Keep doing it. You are worthy. Is, is somebody using you to get what they want? Ugh, how many people, it, they just use you to get what they want. Just endure. Treat, treat them as Christ would treat them. Don't be a mat. That's not what I'm saying. But you are worthy. Are you being mocked because you're a Christian? I don't know about you, but everything in the world is mocking us. You Christians. And they always have the wrong idea. You know, they always have this perception of what we are. That's, and that's injustice, right? It's okay. just live right. You live at peace with one another. Don't make fights. Love. Pray. Share the gospel. Sometimes it hurts. You are worthy if you do it the way Jesus did it. Revelation 21 verse 4 says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. For the joy that is set before you. before you. Endure. You can do it. The Lord is by your side. The scriptures tell us he's able to help us because he suffered all the same things.
we're so grateful. We're so thankful, Jesus, for what you've done on the cross. We just put ourselves at your feet. We put ourselves at the foot of the cross right now. And we just know that everything that we deal with pales in comparison to the sufferings that you endured for us. Jesus, we want to be found worthy. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we have chosen to follow you. Jesus, forgive us when we make a decision that doesn't honor you or we think thoughts that don't honor you. We count on your forgiveness because of what you have done on that cross. And we thank you, Jesus, that you never give up on us and you never forsake us. That the pain that we might feel in our heart for loved ones, for friends, family that don't know you, or the pain that we endure because we have chosen to be a Christian and to live our life in kindness and in love and in righteousness, we know, Lord, we've had pain in our hearts. We've had grief and sorrow. But Jesus, we thank you that you understand that and that you are smiling sons and your daughters and you are the author and the finisher of our faith and we look forward Lord we look forward to the answers for prayers we look forward to the relief of the pain and the grief and the suffering both here in in the future in eternity we thank you for the joy that you give us Lord let us always be true always be true to you, Jesus. Let us never forsake you. Let us never fail you. Give us strength that we would not forsake you, Jesus, even in our most painful and darkest moments, Lord. Be our light and be our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.